Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. We're going to continue our series on the book of James today. We're going to finish up, not in Apple's Lord's will here, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, if you'll stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be looking, beginning with verse 11. James chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who was able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to uh, such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You may be seated. So, We've looked at so far in the book of James a lot of challenging messages. Uh, he's told us that we uh, cannot just be, should not just be hearers of the word, but we must be doers of the word. He's challenged us to not esteem the rich over the poor and to discriminate against individuals based on their social status or uh, their education or, or whatever the case may be. He's, told us that if we have true, genuine, saving faith, we will serve others and that we will serve God. He's told us that we're not to be prideful and we need to humble ourselves in the sight of God and how we're to get along with others. And he's been very challenging through these four chapters. And uh, he doesn't let up in what we are going to look at today. Each message in this series has been a challenging message to each one of us, and it should affect the way that we are living our lives daily. Verse 11, he says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. What he's referring to here is slander. Now, we live in a day and age of slander. When it's in print, it's called libel. When you say it with your mouth, it's called slander, basically. We're seeing slander and libel everywhere in our world. Every news headline, all these news headlines, all of these talking heads on TV, they slander everyone, regardless of your political affiliation. They all slander each other. And news articles are flat out lying to the populace about other individuals. And uh, people are not loving each other, or treating others with respect. They're trying to destroy them with their words. That's what slander is. What's a tragedy and such a travesty is when slander finds its way into the house of God. He's 
not referring here to correcting someone who's in error. He's not referring here to uh, helping a brother or a sister who's maybe fallen into sin and needs some guidance and direction and some correction. He's not talking about that here because Jesus said that we are to help and we are to address sin and we are to address bad behavior within our churches. And if we see our brother who's struggling, we are to come over and through the guidance and the, uh, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. We are to correct and we are to help and take by the hand and direct. We are to confront sin, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about someone slandering another brother and sister in Christ for their own benefit and their own gain and to destroy that brother and sister. We have that in our churches today where brothers and sisters in Christ speak ill of each other. And even it may be true that the brother and sister fell. It may be true that the brother and sister is struggling with something that's sinful, a behavior, an attitude that needs to be addressed. But you do not address that by talking about them behind their back. But it's much easier to talk about someone behind their back than help them to their face. Right? And we like to insert ourselves from a distance to talk about, to gossip, to slander our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have fallen, those who have not fallen. We don't want to take them by the hand and help them out. We don't want to encourage. We want to discourage. The ultimate goal of slander is to destroy. And no one knew better than that than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul dealt with slander his whole ministry. Those who said that they uh, believed in God, the Jews, who believed that Abraham was their father and believed in the God that you and I serve, they rejected Christ and they slandered Paul. Saying that, flat out lying about things that he taught and things that he preached. They ridiculed him behind his back and they said horrible things about him amongst themselves. Why? To destroy him. They didn't care about correcting him. They didn't care about his doctrine. They didn't care about any perceived error. They weren't trying to help him. They were trying to destroy him and his message. When you and I find ourselves talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, we must ensure that our hearts are pure, our intentions are pure, and that we are not merely gossiping and destroying them from a distance. Because listen, when you slander a brother and sister in Christ or gossip about a brother and sister in Christ, you are changing the perspective of the person you're talking to. Especially when we are talking to someone who doesn't know what's going on. And you're deliberately, and I would be deliberately trying to change their perspective about someone on purpose. That's sin. And James calls it sin here in chapter 4. And now all of us, 
in this room and everyone in the world at some point has gossiped about somebody. All of us. I'm guilty. I have gossiped about somebody. I have talked about somebody with no intention of helping them, but merely to get it out there of what I thought about them without actually talking to them to their face, right? We've all done that. We've all gossiped. We've all slandered. And it is a sin for us to do that, and it's particularly nasty for Christians to do that to themselves. And that's why James says, he who speaks evil of a brother, he who slanders a brother and judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. What he's saying here is that when you and I slander a brother or sister in Christ, and we're talking about them we, uh, behind their back. We are setting ourselves up as judge and jury. And when you and I set ourselves up as judge, meaning that we are judging them based on some criteria, whatever that criteria may be, we're not acting like a judge, not a brother, sister in Christ. But we know what? James tells us that there is only one lawgiver and one judge, and that's God. When you and I slander brothers and sisters in Christ, gossip about them, gossip about their sin, slander them about their sin, slander them about uh, behavior, things that we disagree with, not to their face, in loving correction, I'm talking about slander here and gossip here behind someone's back. We're setting ourselves up as judge and we're telling God we know better than he does. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to show love and grace and mercy. We are setting ourselves up as judge and we are actually attempting to destroy another brother and sisters in Christ's character, integrity, and reputation. And that's wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. We, when we do that, we're essentially spitting in God's face. Declaring that we're a better judge than he is. Declaring that we know better than he knows. And that's exactly what James is saying here. Who are you who am I to judge another? Who am I to sit back on my high horse and slander a brother and sister in Christ or gossip about a brother and sister in Christ to try to destroy them? Who am I to do that? Who are we to do that? We're in no position, any of us are perfect where we can slander or gossip somebody else. None of us are to set as judges to try to convince others to hate someone, to not like someone, to mistreat someone, which is exactly what this is talking about here. You and I are not to set as, as that person to try to sway the opinions of others against our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You see this happen in churches when churches split. One side slanders the other side. One side gossips about the other side. They don't like something that happened. They don't like something that was done. And instead of addressing it head on, 
they gossip and they backbite and they fight and then eventually, boom, there's a big mass exodus from the church. And even small churches are not uh, exempt, thank you, Miss Kim, from that. Right? And the reason churches split and the reason that there are mass exoduses is because there's a lack of communication and many times it's gossip and, and things that are happening on the backside that are never addressed in love. See, you and I can address a brother and sister in Christ and the sin that they're committing in love. Right. I, as your pastor, if I see that you are committing a sin, I have an obligation to talk to you. Right? I have an obligation through, the, by the, uh, through God's word, given by God, to talk. And let's communicate. And let's talk about that. Let's see how we can correct that behavior. Right? Mm -hmm. If you, through prayer and through the leading of the Holy Spirit, have a dear friend who you see is messing up, be there to support them. If they have a struggle in their life, be there to help them, not destroy them. So that's what James is talking about destroying others when God or when Jesus talks about in Matthew about, about uh, 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 you know, addressing bad behavior. He's doing so from the point of love and correcting, not destruction. Does that make sense? And so James is saying we should not attempt to destroy one another. Love each other care for each other, serve one another. That should be what makes us different in the world's eyes is it says they will know that we belong to him. That's what John says, because of our love for one another. Right. And we've got to learn to show grace to those around us. We want grace. We don't want to show grace. My wife and I had a little bit of a disagreement yesterday, and I was kind of mean to her. I admit, I'll confess it here. Maybe she'll forgive me. Um, I, I uh, was giving her a hard way to go. Uh, here's what happened. We were supposed to leave the beach house yesterday morning at 9 o'clock. To me, that means I don't have to get up till 8.30. I get up, I get a shower. We had already packed everything pretty much the night before. We loaded the car. That's how I saw it. My wife tells me at 7.15 that it's 7.30 and I need to get up. And I'm like, weren't we not to leave until 9? I know, but we've got all this stuff to do. Well, I didn't see it that way. So I got, I got a little irritated. I slammed some stuff around and smacked some things and got in the shower huffing and puffing and all this stuff. And I was grouchy pretty much all the way till we stopped to get breakfast. And, at breakfast, she looked at me and she said, you need to show me grace like you like to be shown grace. <laughs> she hit me right between the eyes. And she really hadn't done anything wrong, right? Honestly, she hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, it was my perspective. But it hit me. You know, she shows me grace all the time for stupid stuff that I do. Amen. <laughs> In any marriage relationship, you show grace back and forth. That includes any other relationship in our life. With brothers and sisters of Christ, we must show grace, and we must be given grace. 
And if we do that, we won't slander one another and we won't gossip about one another because we'll be showing grace to one another. Because here's the fact, you're going to hurt my feelings at some time. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I'm going to hurt your feelings at some time. Most of the time when we hurt each other's feelings, it's not intentional and it's innocent. We don't even know we did anything wrong. You don't even know you did anything. You know what I'm saying? That's why we got to show grace. Now, if it's a big thing, you talk about it, you address it. If it's a little thing, you forget, you show grace, and you never bring it up again. You don't let it affect our attitude towards each other. That's how it's supposed to work. Right? right? Not allow it to fester and get angry till we are uh, attacking our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. All right, I have belabored that point to death. I apologize. Let's hit the next one. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Now what James is talking about here specifically is someone who has decided that they know better in their life than God knows for them. They know what's best for them. God does not. And since someone who has decided that they're in control and God is not in control, so therefore they never seek God's direction, they never seek his guidance, they never commune with him because they feel like his, his, his direction doesn't matter. His opinion doesn't matter. His guidance doesn't matter. They've got it all figured out. We've got a perfect example of this in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the rich man. Do you remember the guy? He uh, had the best harvest he ever had in his life. And he had he was filling up. He had to build more barns to fill up his harvest. And so one night while he's laying in bed, he is talking about how great things are and what he's going to do. And imagine how awesome everything is and what he's going to do with all this stuff. I'm sure he's laying in there thinking, well, I'm going to take a year off. Right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make so much money. Blah, blah, blah. Right? The Bible doesn't go into detail, but you can just imagine what he was sitting there thinking about himself and to himself about how great he was and how awesome he was. And God told him, basically, you can't take it with you. You're not going to wake up and struck him dead. Why? Because what he had done is he had put all of his faith and his trust in himself and his own ingenuity and his own uh, understanding, and he had decided that God's opinion did not matter, that God's direction, that God's will, I should say, did not matter. And James is specifically addressing here those who decide to walk and live their lives as if God does not exist. The commentaries call them practical atheists. Do you know that you can be a Christian and a practical atheist? Living, saying that you believe in God, but living like there isn't one is being an atheist. So I can say with my lips all day long, I believe in God, I believe in God, I believe in God. But if my actions, or I live like God doesn't exist, I'm an atheist. I'm a practical atheist. Right? Because I'm saying God doesn't matter. Well, if God doesn't matter, then I don't need him to exist. I'm saying that essentially through my lifestyle that God doesn't exist. Or if he does exist, he has no influence over anything in my life. When you and I live our lives saying, planning out, now listen, there's a difference in being responsible, right? Saving up for retirement, right? That's being responsible. 
That's one, that's one thing, being responsible. It's a different thing to say, you know, I'm going to do this and never consult God. I'm going to go start a church and not ask God's opinion for it, about it. Right? I'm going to, you can do what good things without consulting God, and it is offense to God. Because God has a will and a purpose for our lives, and he wants us to walk in that will and purpose. If we walk outside of that will and purpose, we are disregarding God, and essentially, we're acting like atheists. That makes us no better than atheists. They plan, and they scheme, and they do all of their things, and they plan out 10 years in advance where they're going to be, what they're going to be doing. I'm not talking about goals. I'm talking about their completely living their lives independent of God. They don't pay attention where their money goes. They don't care how, you know, the decisions that they make, how they live their lives, right? They live godless lives. When you and I live lives like God doesn't exist, we're living godless lives. And my goodness, if that happens in the church, that's frightening. And what we've got to remind ourselves in the book of James is he ain't writing to sinners. Right. He's writing to saints. One of the things I found interesting in some of these commentaries, specifically John MacArthur's commentary, is that he's so adamant that James is not talking to Christians in these, than James, in the book of James. James' letter was not written to non-Christians. His letter was written to Christians, and he was addressing Christians. So that means there were Christians who were doing these things, or people within the church that were doing these things, acting this way. There were people in the church who were slandering each other. There were people in the church who were living like God didn't exist, but they were still coming to church on Sundays. You know what I'm saying? People that called themselves Christians. People who said they loved God. People who said they knew God. People who said they served God. Yet none of that was reflected in their lives. Right. And he's addressing that. You and I must do an introspection of our lives. One, how do we treat our other brothers and sisters in Christ when they fail, when they fall? Do we devour them like piranha? Or do we uplift them and encourage them? My goodness, some of us like to feed brothers and sisters in Christ like a, like a fallen fawn on the savannah and hunted by a lion. Dangle them on out there for the devil to devour Right? We see a brother or sister fall. Instead of picking them up, we tell the devil where they're at. Right? We, we, we watch them be destroyed and their lives implode. Instead of praying, instead of caring, instead of loving on them, instead of trying to restore them, instead of trying to help them, we watch them be devoured. That's disgusting. And then we live our lives in such a way that we never seek God's direction. We switch jobs. We move jobs. We buy houses. We sell houses. We, you know, uh, do this. We do that in our families. We do all of these things, and we do them without first consulting God, and then we wonder why things are a mess. Well, we made them a mess. We're not fulfilled because only God can provide fulfillment. If you live your life without God, you can never be truly fulfilled. No matter how much money you make, no matter how great your job is, no matter how many things we acquire, no matter any of these things, 
No matter all of the things the world puts value on, we can have them, but without God, we'll never have an abundant life. We'll never be fulfilled. You cannot be fulfilled and live like there is no God. You can't. You'll always be seeking, I will always be seeking something to fulfill me. And there are Christians, sadly, sitting on the pews and in the chairs of our sanctuaries who are miserable and sad and lonely and are not living abundant lives. Why? Because they walk daily like God does not exist. And we don't understand why. God fix this problem. God fix this. God do this. God do that. Once, never once asking God what his will is. The Bible says that God answers when you pray according to his will. Not my will. That's what Jesus said. Ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. We got to pray in his name. According to his will. According to his purpose. We must not allow ourselves to become so inward focused that we try to live our lives without God. And to wind it all up, James sums up everything that he said in the first four chapters by saying, To him who knows to do what's right, but does not do it, to that person it is sin. When you and I know what to do is right and we don't do it, that's sin. Sins of omission lead to sins of commission. Do you know what that means? Sins of omission are sins that you that happen because you don't do something. So, for example, a sin of omission would be seeing uh, someone starving to death and not giving them food, walking on by. That would be a sin of omission. A sin of commission is telling a lie. Right? Sins of omission, meaning you know what's right, you just don't do it, lead to sins of commission. Right? So I know... That I'm not supposed to lie, but then I lie anyways. That's a, does that make sense? James is saying, all these things that I've said to you up to this point, now you know. Right? Remember G.I. Joe? Now you know, and knowing's half the battle. And you guys, I'm dating myself, but that was their big thing when they would do their little special G.I. Joe commercials. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Well, James says, now you know. And when you know, if you don't do it, that's sin. Summing up everything that he said so far in the first four chapters of James. So we're challenged this morning. I'm challenged this morning to make sure, A, that I'm not gossiping even to my wife. You know, you can gossip to your spouse. That I'm not gossiping about my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that doesn't just mean you. That means people in other churches. That means people and other brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world. Right? That Christian leader does something that I don't agree with. Rather than pray for them, I start talking bad about them. Right? And then we need to be challenged to make sure that we live our lives trying to walk with Christ and not on our own wisdom and understanding. Right. Let's not live our lives like practical atheists. Saying we believe in God, but actually not following what he has to say. Let us stay.
Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.